0: It is always such an honor to be here. It's funny because this is one of our favorite church communities around the world. And we'll actually talk about you guys when we travel to these different places and churches that are doing justice and who care for the poor and who are impacting their communities. And what's even more strange is I feel like whenever we talk about you guys around the world, they always seem to know you. So we were joking with the Shams yesterday that I was like we we're in Dubai and they knew about you in Singapore and they knew about you in Reading and all these different places around the world. So even though we're in Warman you guys feel to me kind of like a global church. So it's really it's fun. Um, as as Alicia was even saying my husband and I we work in Africa and You know, we work in places of conflict and war, and many of you guys have probably heard us share, and I was praying about what to speak on today, and my heart just kept coming back to justice. And I was like, God, is this just because my heart's for justice, or you actually have a word for the church about justice? And I was like, I feel like this church, like, gets justice. Am I just preaching to the choir kind of thing? But... I feel like it's a word for this church and the church at large about what God is doing and bringing us back to kind of our first love, so to speak, with justice and the importance of, of this concept. And when we look around the world and we travel to all these different places, and even here in you know, Saskatchewan or Canada, we look and the world is looking for answers, You can turn on the TV, you can turn on the news, people are quick to list problem after problem after problem, and they're kind of, a lot of these problems I feel like it's like here's a problem dot dot dot, here's another problem dot dot dot, I feel like a lot of the time the world doesn't necessarily have answers, and for a long time we've kind of been like, okay, like, we'll be the light of the world, we'll be the answer, but I feel like there's kind of this shaking where God's like, guys go be the answer. And this awakening or reawakening, perhaps, of how are we responding? When the world sees a problem, are they saying, okay, here's a problem, dot, 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 well, let's go to the Christians, because they'll be the ones to fix it. And again, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir in a lot of ways, which I'll probably say over and over again. But Coming back to this concept of, okay, well, what is justice? And what does this mean to the heart of God? And often when I go into churches and I start saying, oh, yeah, we're Justice Rising, and everyone's like, ooh, justice. It can sometimes even be, some people love it, and some people are like, that's a little bit of a dirty word, which I didn't know until someone said, like, are you sure you want that as the name of your organization, Justice Rising? They're like, doesn't that mean anger and, like, rage? Which was not in my vocabulary. I didn't have a clue. But justice is so central to the gospel. And I want to just pick apart a few scriptures about justice so that we can go back and realize, wow, this is a thread throughout the word of God, and it is so on his heart. So even to start, Psalm 89, 14. And I'll read them out, but if you want to look them up, I might go a little fast. Maybe you want to take a note and look them up later. Also, I don't know if you guys do that. The preacher always tells me, look it up later in your Bible. I never do. So if you are one of those people, you can look it up now. But Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Righteousness and justice are the foundation. So we look, and to start, you see that justice is the foundation. It's the core. Everything kind of comes back. It is built on the strong foundation of justice. Psalm, or not Psalm, Isaiah 61, 8. I, the Lord, love justice. So right away, I feel like that kind of... (laughs) for me, washes a lot of things. I, the Lord, love justice. And then, just to be a little geeky, I looked up the word justice in Webster's Dictionary. I'm not going to give the exact word-for-word translation, but of course it did have one of the first definitions. It's the administration of the law. Okay. But then, when you keep digging, it was saying an ideal just dealing, right action and righteousness. Martin Luther King describes it as true justice is love correcting anything that stands against love. And for us, this is actually how we came up with the name Justice Rising because we are so moved. Martin Luther King Jr. is one of our absolute heroes and the way he created this movement. He This pastor steps out of his church and says, there is something wrong with society. There's racism so deep and deeply ingrained. We have to change this. And he went out and he shifted things and started this movement and shaked the church and shaked the walls of society. Like He really changed things up. I'll say it again, true justice is love correcting anything that stands against love. So justice is love. Justice is redemption. And I love it because you look and you're like, the blood of Jesus is the perfect picture of justice. It's this love oozing out and correcting everything that violates love. It's making the wrong right. It's bringing things back into alignment the way that God created it to be. Social justice is this realignment with heaven. It's kingdom on earth. And for us, this is what we're going after in war zones. And this is what, when we look globally, we're like, how do we right these wrongs? How do we bring a war zone back into alignment with heaven? How do we change the landscape and shift these mindsets so that they think like Jesus does, bringing peace? And like Leisha said, for me, this whole journey, which I'm sure some of you, most of you, I don't know, most of you have heard maybe, us talk about our story, but I first heard about Congo when I was 10 and the injustice and what was going on in these places. And I remember just crying from this young age and telling everyone, we have to go and shift things in war zones. And everyone's like, great, you'll grow out of it. <laughs> and I never did. I think we were talking to my aunt. We're staying with my aunt uh, here in Saskatoon. And even my aunt, I feel like they were kind of waiting for us to grow out of it. And they're like, oh, like, you still haven't grown out of it. Cool. <laughs> Maybe next year. Um, but we kept looking, okay, how do we bring things back into alignment? How do we right these wrongs? And as we traveled around to different war zones and really began asking the question, okay, Jesus, I don't have the answer, but you do. What is your strategy for societal transformation? What is your heart? How can we sit with the poor and listen? How do we I don't want to say meditate on the problem because that's weird but how do we stay open and vulnerable enough to hear these issues let them break our heart enough that we can't go a day without focusing on how do we be the change you know if if we think oh well this problem doesn't really affect me but it affects god and so if we're in communion with him, we're in right relationship with him, these problems will soon start to affect our hearts and start to motivate us to want to see that change. And so as we traveled from war zone to war zone seeking, what do we do? How do we respond? God spoke so clearly and just said, education, build schools, use education and teacher training and all of this to shift mindsets and to create that alignment back with heaven. And so we've been going out and doing that different places in Congo and Iraq and Syria and further and further out into these war zones. But as we were doing it, we asked the question several times as many people kind of put it in front of us. They're like, how far is too far? How far should you really go to pursue justice? And they were like, a war zone? Okay. But, like, here are the parameters of the war zone. You probably don't want to step outside of that. But as we got closer to Jesus and kept focusing on his eyes, we found that those parameters would grow and grow. And I remember the first time where we were talking about seriously going into the UN-classified red zone. And the UN-classified red zone was deep in the jungle where there's a lot of active conflict, and in these areas, everyone was telling us, you know, you don't know if you'll come back from this. Like, it's extremely dangerous. You don't, you don't want to take this lightly. And so I went back to my little room, and I sat with Jesus. And I was just like, okay, God, I don't want to just be crazy for the sake of being crazy. If if we're going to see something change, if we're going to stop war, if we're going to bring peace, it really does have to be you. So do I go? Do we not go? What does this story look like? And as we were sitting there, I got this picture. And it was in the middle of this war zone. I'm sitting in my room, but I have this, you know, vision of this place, active conflict, and a little baby sitting in the middle of this road in this active conflict. And the baby's facing away from me, and I, I just felt curious. I was like, what is this kid just doing sitting there in the middle of this, you know, in the middle of this road? And as I got more and more curious, I walked up to this baby, and I remember just, like, touching its shoulder in this picture. And as it turned around, I saw that it was Jesus. And Jesus just said, he's like, I'm not going to tell you go into this war zone. He's like, but I'm going to invite you because that's where I am. And to to me at that point, I was like, easy. If that's where you are, that's where I want to be. And how often do we look at an injustice, or we look at an issue, or we look at a massive problem in society, and we think, oh, well, that's not necessarily my calling. Or maybe that's for someone else. Or maybe I'll do it later when more of the, you know, more things are aligned and work together. It's just not a very good time for me. But what's interesting about justice is God's already told us to go. It's not like we should be waiting, saying, okay, well, I'll wait for the green light. He's already given us the green light. And as I looked at that baby in the war zone and realized it was Jesus, and he says, you know, I'm already here. I realized, oh, we have a constant invitation to step out. We have a constant invitation to go after the giants in the land. It's not like this one-time thing. It's this constant green. And Jesus is just saying, come. Come look at what I'm looking at. Come sit with me in these places. Micah 6, 8 Again, if you're writing these scriptures down or text them to your friend, I often do that to remember things. I'll text it to a friend. It's just then remembering which friend you're texting these things to. Um, Micah 6.8. And the reason why I text it to a friend is usually they'll respond back a couple hours later and be like, was that meant for me? And it's a good reminder. Anyway, Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require? To do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. All of these scriptures that I'm reading, I don't feel like they're brand new scriptures. Like, I'm sure you've all heard these several times, but when we look at them and we say, what does the Lord require? Not like, what is an optional part of scripture that you could take or leave if you want? (laughs) It's like, what does the Lord require? What is he asking of us? To do justice. Not to think about justice. To love mercy, walk humbly. To do justice. It's an active thing. It's an active part of our life that should be a daily part of our life. Do justice. Right the wrongs. Bring love to correct these violations of love. An active part of our day. Isaiah 58 6. You can text that one to a new friend. Is this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free. Share your food. Provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, you clothe them. Your scripture reading was the bomb today. I almost got my phone out and took a picture, which maybe I should have, but I was too slow. I was just like, my jaw dropped because I was like, yes, this is the gospel this is what we get to live out. Share your food with the hungry. That might mean that you go hungry that night. And everyone's like, no, with Jesus, we don't go hungry. Sometimes you do, because you're sharing your food. You're actively sacrificing. You're actively giving. It, it can be uncomfortable, which is usually where we check out. We're like, oh, that's really uncomfortable. Justice is uncomfortable. Read it again. Share your food. Provide the poor wanderer with shelter. Do you think the poor wanderer is this cute little put-together person? Probably not. They probably smell. They're probably dirty. They've probably been wandering for a long time and have seen some crazy stuff when they've been wandering. Amen? Anyone had a wanderer in your house for a while? We get those a lot in L.A. (laughs) That's an inside joke because no one in L.A. has jobs and they crash on each other's couches a lot share provide the poor wander with shelter when you see the naked you clothe them it's like give the shirt off your back to someone that's uncomfortable especially if it's your favorite shirt justice is uncomfortable but it's an action it's doing something it's getting out there and saying we are going to right the wrongs and we are going to do it so often that christians get a reputation for it We're going to do it so much that when there's a wrong, people's natural reaction is to say, oh, that sounds like a job for a Christian. Like, what about that church? Don't they do that a lot? That should be the natural place that people's minds go. But the only way they're going to start going there is if we make it a habit first. They're not going to look for us to do these things unless we're already doing it. It, they're not just going to wake up one morning and be like, I think the Christians will take care of it. No, it's going to be that they see us doing justice all the time. And it becomes a second nature thing that they're like, oh, I saw, I saw those people from that church and that church. And they were all working together. They were all in unity because they were one body. They might not use that word because that's a little Christianese, but never mind, you guys get it. I believe that God is calling us back to our first love with justice, that it won't be this scary thing, but it will be something that becomes second nature in our city, in our worlds, that we'll be associated with this. Where are the problems, and how can we start attacking them on a daily basis? We hear a lot of people talk about holidays, and I'll see it on TV all the time and be like, oh, the nice people volunteer on holidays. Yeah, if you want to volunteer somewhere, like the churches usually do something on holidays. Justice is an everyday kind of righting the wrongs. For Congo, again, this is what we're going after. And we've started, we're starting to get a reputation for it. Again, it's taken a while. It's taken us getting out of our comfort zone. It's taken us doing a lot of things in secret until the momentum starts to build and people start noticing, oh, you know, we should, we should call on that one group. They seem to be in all these really dark places. They seem to be going out to the worst red zones. We, we should start calling on them. And this past summer, we were in Congo, and we were sitting with our team, and we were having an, our annual like teacher training conference. And so right now, we have 10 schools, and almost 2,000 students, and we're building five more schools right now. So it's very exciting, we're expanding, and you know, expanding quicker and quicker, and it's really, really fun. And every year, we bring all of our teachers from all of our different schools together, and we, we do training, we do discipleship, we do a lot of family time and kind of bringing everyone back to the core values. And so I was saying, okay, like we need some testimonies, How's, how are different things going? And I called on one of our leaders who run this group, we call it the Leadership League. And this group is in charge of bringing young boys from the community who are at risk of joining the army or have already been in the army together to play soccer. I might have, I'm sure I've told you guys different stories about them. They're one of our favorite groups, because they often come in really hard, and people are afraid of them, and everyone's like, those are the guys that you'll get robbed from. (laughs) Like, these are the kind of, they're the iffy guys. And then after a couple of years, they just massively change, and Jesus does such a number on their hearts. So I was like, let's ask these guys, Amici and Jackson. I was like, what is going on? With your group, have you seen anything new? Like, is anything new happening? And they just kind of looked at me kind of like, that's a weird question. Like, of course there's a lot going on. And they said, Cassandra, you have no idea. With our group, we are starting to become known in all the different rebel groups among the children there. And they said, rumors circulate in these groups that if these kids want to get out of the army, that there's a group that takes them in. And this group is not too far, it's also in the red zone. And if they leave the army, lay down their weapons, they can come into our soccer league and they'll get free soccer equipment and a chance to rehabilitate and reintegrate into normal life. And they said, these child soldiers are leaving the army and walking days to come and find this group. And often, because it's just these rumors, they don't even know entirely where it is, they just go from village to village asking, have you heard of this group called Justice Rising? And they'll be like, that way. And these kids will walk and come and find this group and go through our program of rehabilitation. And we were just like, okay, like, I hope that doesn't get too high up in the rebel army, <laughs> but like these kids are desperate and these rumors are circulating. We also we were talking to other team members, and we were like, OK, so how are, how are things going in other departments? What else is happening in this area? And they said, well, our name has started to circulate up to the government. And we are like, OK. Now, sometimes this can be good, and sometimes it's not as good. Because <laughs> in Congo, there's a little bit of iffiness in some of the government, I guess is what we'll say. I don't know if it's being recorded or not. There's my PC version. <laughs> um, so we were like, OK, well, what does this mean? Our name is circulating in the government. And they said, yeah, we went in to just get a little document, and they held our head director there. And I was like, they held a director? Like, what did, what did they mean? What did they say? And they're like, they said, you guys are Justice Rising. We've heard about you. Like show us your school. Like, do you have pictures of your school? And they brought in all these different government officials to see pictures, and they wanted to come and meet you, and they wanted to come and see the other different buildings and the different schools. And they're like, they see it as this place of excellence. And they're like, your name has started to circulate amongst the government. And we, it's not like we went out and we were looking for this. It's not like we were going out and being like, we're going to be flashy so that everyone sees us. It was the doing justice day in and day out. How do we bring change? How do we see transformation? Again, how do we right the wrongs around the world? How do we shift a culture out of war into a place of peace? This is what we're called to, and the world will take notice. Those rumors will start to circulate. In Syria, So Edison and I have recently been getting out more and more into Syria and Iraq. We actually go back to Iraq in May and we're looking and building these other schools and rebuilding schools that have been destroyed by ISIS. And our last trip to Syria, it's been a little while actually, it was the beginning of 2018, and Our last trip into Syria, we were working with this school and we're continuing to work with this school and they are being Jesus like no other. They just go in and they're not allowed to proclaim the gospel in their schools, but they just said, okay, if we can't evangelize, that's fine. We'll just be love and we will be the gospel and people will get touched and changed by our actions. And then they have a church connected to the school. So they have a little after-school program. And afterwards, if parents want to send their children to this program at the school, these Muslim families, then they are welcome to. And this has been just amazing and so successful. This church was targeted and bombed during the war in Aleppo. And within, gosh, within a couple of years, it tripled in size. It was completely flattened, triples in size a couple years later. That is what God does. And we were meeting with some of the students in this school, and we were walking around, and we were saying, okay, like, show us, show us what's going on. We want to just learn from you guys. And they said, we want to show you this one student. And they're like, we want, we want you to meet her. And I don't think I've told this story. I don't think we've been here since it's happened. But if you've heard it, you get to hear it again. Um, it's about this little girl, Sarah. Have we told you about Sarah? So she is just the sweetest little girl from Syria. She has blonde hair and very light eyes. And I just, you know, when you see a child and you're like, oh my gosh, like it, you kind of see yourself in them. And this little girl came to us and she's just smiling and she goes, well, I've been here the entire time the war was in Aleppo. Like my family lived here. And she goes, at the height of the war, I remember just being so tired and everyone was depressed and everyone was really sad and we had to stay inside a lot. And she goes, but one day I just said to my dad, like, I have to get out, please, can we get like a piece of candy today? I'm just desperate for a piece of candy. And her dad was like, okay, fine, he gives in. They walk down the street to go to the corner store. And as they're walking down the street, a bomb falls in the area, instantly kills Sarah's dad, and she loses her leg. And Sarah said, she's like, after this happened, she's like, things got even worse. She's like, I didn't know they could get worse, but they, they did, and they did very fast. And I guess her dad was the sole breadwinner of the family. And with him gone, all the responsibilities fell on the mom. So the mom's trying to take care of the family. She's trying to provide for the family. Sarah now has a lot of medical needs and needs a new leg. And Sarah said, at our lowest point, when we thought that nothing could get any worse, she goes, the school came, and the pastor came, and he stood with our family. And she goes, they took us in. They paid for all our school fees. They help my mom get a job, and they help me get a new leg. She pulls up her pant leg and shows us her new leg. And as she's telling us this, and she just has this little smile on her face. And I was like, this is the gospel. This is where we're supposed to be. In the worst place, when everyone feels like hope is gone, the church is actively bringing justice. And it doesn't have to look like what we think it should look like. They weren't allowed to preach the gospel. They weren't allowed to evangelize and give out a track. So they had to be loved. Can you hear me? so you see the gospel lived out like this is what we are called to do and what was so fascinating is Sarah's family in the midst of this the church just knew they had a pulse on the community they were watching and looking for issues that they could be present for and that they could be loved for It's not like her family was in trouble and they had to go and say, well, where's a church? Where's someone who can help us? They were there and ready. Are we ready to be that for others? Are we so involved in different communities? Are we so in the dirt, sitting with families, getting dirty, that when something happens, we're right there. We're right there ready to be Jesus. I love looking throughout scripture because this was what Jesus did. He wasn't just clean and calm and gliding through everything. He was making a mess and stirring things up and being present for the tax collectors and women and all these different injustices. He was right there. We need to let the example of Jesus be our guide. And I love when we look into, you know, okay, Jesus, where were you? Injustice towards children. Like, Jesus went out, and in a time when people were preaching and they would have the children like, oh, the kids, we we don't want them around kind of thing. Jesus calls and says, bring the kids. And then he offends everyone and is like, oh, yeah, you want to enter the kingdom? Become his children. That was kind of offensive back in the day. And Jesus looks at the injustice happening towards children, and he gets right in there. He's right present in the middle. Injustice towards women. I love it. We can look at these issues and see, oh, Jesus, right in the middle of injustice. He's righting the wrongs. Um, I love researching issues against women or injustices against women and how present Jesus was because again it was so offensive (laughs) like you're like Jesus like if you wanted to keep your reputation if you really wanted to change the world you probably shouldn't have offended so many people right how many times do we say things like that and we're like oh maybe we should be learning from him instead he goes in and makes women the hero of these stories he goes in and when a time where if he were to speak to a woman. Even at the well, everyone was like, oh, maybe he's sleeping with her. Because that's what it meant. If he's an unmarried guy, she's a prostitute, and he goes and talks with a woman, they're like, yeah, they're probably sleeping together. And Jesus flips things on his head, and he is present to people in the midst of injustice. He's present to them, and he flips it, and he says, I am going to right the wrongs. He is in the dirt getting messy you are called to be in the dirt and getting messy whatever that looks like for you this is supposed to be our lifestyle i love even looking at injustice injustice against immigrants what did he do so offensive he came as an immigrant (laughs) i'm like that makes us feel awkward if we're not allowing immigrants in Right? It should shake us up a little and be like, oh, what am I doing for the immigrant? And if you kind of feel offended when I say that, Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. Does anyone want to write that down? I'll say it again in case you do. Leviticus, no one's writing it down, it's okay. Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. And it says, when a foreigner resides in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself. He is so offensive in the way he loves people. He is so offensive in the way he brings justice. It is so beautiful. It makes me so proud to be a Christian, the way Jesus gets in these places. He was known for bringing justice. He was known for the way he stirred things up. And we are supposed to be known for bringing justice and being known for the way that we stick our necks out for these people, for those who are lower class or lower than us or the least of these. This is who we're called to be. God is calling us to be known for our radical love. He's calling us to stand out and to look different. Um one time when we were working in southern sudan southern sudan had a lot of war and rebel activity and i just had a passion to love on rebel soldiers and i'm just gonna let that land (laughs) and i was always looking where can we love on these guys where can we see transformation in their hearts like Jesus has such a passion to see love and restoration come. How can we see that among these rebel soldiers? And one time, there was this soldier from, a rebel soldier from the Dinka tribe. So he's Sudanese. He's very, 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 very tall. And how tall are Dinka people? Like six, five, seven? Like, they're tall. And there's this guy full-on gear, really big, and I was just like, I just got to love on him. So I walk over, and I just start talking to him, and he kind of looks at me, and he just kind of looks like, kind of like I'm a weirdo. And I was like, do you want to even just grab a soda? Do You want to just, like, talk? And he was like, sure, okay. So we go and sit, and we're grabbing a cold Coke, and in the middle of hot, hot, hot Sudan, this is, like, perfect, And halfway through our conversation, I'm just sharing Jesus and how can we love on him. And he goes, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yes, anything. Like, what do you want to know? He's like, why aren't you afraid of me? And I was like, oh, right, I'm supposed to be afraid of you. (laughs) You know, his gun's resting on the table. I'm like, oh, yeah. But when you're so focused on the eyes of Jesus, when you're so lost in his love, You're just, you see things differently. You're seeing problems differently. You're seeing injustices differently. You're seeing people differently. You are going out there to be disruptive and to be messy and to right the wrongs. And the way the gospel is, it's not meant just to stay in the four walls. We're meant to reform society, reform culture, to shift things and change them up. I'm looking at my watch, don't worry. God, though, I feel like he's calling us back to our first love with justice and our first love with the foundation of his throne to go out there and to live with the green light, to go out there and be doing justice so often that it gives us a reputation. And maybe you say, hey, our church already has that. When I look at the global picture I don't often see people saying, hey, there's a, there's a problem. Let's go find the Christians. And maybe you've seen that. We were just in Dubai at a conference for education, the Education Skills Forum. And people bring all these issues to the front, and then they discuss them. And they're all, you know, there's different presidents and Nobel Peace Prize winners and all these different people being like, how do we change the world? And I was watching these think tanks, and there was a part of me that was brewing that was like, oh, I wish I was seeing more of like I, the answers just landing with, hmm, I don't know. Let's ask some Christians. Can we bring in some people who love Jesus? I was like, this is where it should be landing, but we have to get out there and do it first. We have to get out there and have it so a part of our lifestyle that people take note. Again, for us, we just got back from Congo less than a week ago, or back from Dubai, I guess. Um, Congo maybe a week and a half ago. And like I was saying, we're in the middle of building these five new schools, and it's the first time we've ever built five at once. And it's exciting and it's kind of scary because we've never tried this before. And we just keep stepping out deeper and deeper and deeper. And what pulls us to these areas, everyone often asks us, well, how do you know where to build a school? And where do you decide? And we have our, like, politically correct answer where we say, oh, well, we work with the Ministry of Education on a district level and we talk to these different leaders. And then we're also like, and we ask Jesus. And we look and we focus in on his eyes and we go where he's going. And we're dreaming to shift these areas. We always say, even though often people will look at us and say, oh, you're an education organization, like you're building schools in war zones. For us, we're a peace building organization. Our goal is to disrupt these cycles of war. How can we see injustices made right? How can we see these lands healed? How do we move forward to see the redemption happen? Justice is the vehicle that changes the world. When we look at how to bring change, we can't leave out this justice piece. We can't see it as this elective or this side project. It's the foundation of his throne, righteousness and justice. We need to be focused on it we need to see how we can integrate it into our lives it has to be a part of what we do and how we talk to people and how what we represent I feel like seeking restoration of love Christians need to be leading the world in this transformation and we can even leave the video and you guys can go to our website I think we have two new videos actually since the last time we were here so if you Do follow our stuff online. You can definitely check those out. But I even wanted to to give a little call and a little prayer that we can pray together for God moving our hearts to make this an active part of our day. How do we represent his kingdom in such a way? How do we be justice to the world around us? If we want to be known transformation if we want to be known in our communities for change how do we make that so part of our everyday life even the life that people aren't necessarily seeing right away you know the private times how do we make it a part of our day so that others take notice and say we have an issue let's go to the church